Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. Hey, this is Dr. Patty, and we're going to talk about addictions today. Now, I realize if you look back on my podcast list, I talked about addictions, but we were talking about some pretty heavy-duty drug and alcohol addictions. I mentioned some of these lighter, softer addictions, and today that's what I want to focus on, because what's really interesting is almost all of us have some things we're super attached to, And you could almost say we're addicted to, but we don't really like to say that. Because when we use the word addiction, we automatically start thinking about an alcoholic or somebody taking drugs uh, or somebody doing horrendous damaging with gambling or shopping or something way on that end of the spectrum. Today I want to talk about addictions that are on the low end of the spectrum, where they're lighter, more socially acceptable, Uh, Everybody does it, and I want to talk about what is underlying those addictions. And I want to start out by telling you an interesting story. I've told you before on this show that I often wait for inspiration of what I'm going to talk about on Saturday morning, and I'll look for it in my clients during the week. Um, I'll look for it in something that motivates me to say, you know, I really need to talk about that. Or it's, it's really kind of a God thing. I will hear two or three or four different people talking about the same thing. And I'll go, okay, i got to do a show on that because people need to hear information on that. So I was all the way up to last night when I was going to bed, and I'm going, God, what am I going to do my show on tomorrow, darn it? Um, hmm. <laughs> and then I went to bed, and I just said a prayer, and I said, show me what's needed. And... Just before I woke up, I had a dream. It was really a a, a total God message, okay? I'm sitting there at a table, and I'm looking at some guy that I don't even know, and he starts vaping. And I'm watching him do this vapey thing and, you know, breathing out the stuff. And he looks at me and goes, do you want to try this? And I said, no, no, thank you. And he said, why not? And I said, why would I? And he just looked at me. And... I said to him, are you real attached to that? And he said, well, yeah, I I really like it. And I said, do you think you're addicted to it? And he said, well, I wasn't at first, but there was a lot of of it involved because all my friends do it. He said, but now I really need the nicotine. And I said, well, the interesting thing is attachment leads to addiction, and that leads to fear. And the fear is that the thing you are wanting and craving will not be available. And then that thing begins to control your life. And I woke up and I went, oh, okay, got it. That's what I need to talk about. Those easy escape level addictions that affect your life and control your life, but don't necessarily make you look like you're not employable or you can't function at work or you're not a good parent. So it was a really profound dream, and it was an answer to the prayer of, okay, show me what I should be talking about, and there it was. So I I started thinking about what are all those escape kind of addictions that many people do, and I'm going to kind of give you an overview of what I see. 
and in friends and family and myself and other people. Um, and one of the first ones that came to mind was the gourmet coffee addiction. And I started really looking at it because I see people that go to the gourmet coffee place once or twice a day, um, sometimes more. Uh, they get, they almost, the ones that go often, almost always get a big one. They don't get a little one. They get a big one. Um, sometimes they're very magnanimous. They will pick up gourmet coffee for the whole office or the person they're going to meet. And then they will feel very generous. Well, they just spent about 15 bucks on coffee or 20 bucks on coffee and share it with the office. And there's this sense of going and getting your gourmet coffee has a whole lot of issues around it. Um, and then I started thinking about, well, they, they sure make it easy for people get, to get addicted. And I've, and I've always known that marketing and research actually tells uh, fast food places, coffee places, um, how stores place their products. They do that in a way that attracts the right kind of attention and satisfies a certain thing within you that makes you want to do that thing. So we look at the gourmet coffee places. They're usually, they have a drive through line easily accessible. Now they often have these little pay apps. You can order in advance. You can pay on your app. You can run in and pick it up. And you don't even have to waste any time going through to get your coffee. Um, there is the high itself of the sugar, the caffeine, the warmth, the comfort. And there's this illusion that you're doing something for yourself. Now, before all the gourmet coffee people like start calling in and saying, ah, stop it, I want you to just stop and take a look at it. That's just one example of a whole lot of easy kind of addictions that we utilize to comfort ourselves. Let's look at the whole uh, smoking, vaping, nicotine one. People were smoking, and it got to a point where even a 10-year-old could tell people, that's bad for you. I don't want to breathe your smoke. A five-year-old could say, you shouldn't do that. So it became very obvious that smoking and secondhand smoke and all that kind of stuff was socially unacceptable. So somewhere along the line in there, I don't know exactly who came up with vaping, but my guess is it's the big tobacco companies. And vaping starts to come out, and they target the teenagers. Teenagers in high schools are in the bathrooms vaping. They've got their vapor, vaping thing and whatever you call it, their vape pipe in their, their backpack, and they are often doing that because you can't smell the smoke exactly. Um, you can sometimes smell the flavor, what they're doing, but now it's a little more socially acceptable, and they started out with vaping as it wasn't addicting, it wasn't bad for you, it didn't hurt you. Uh, they started flavoring it with things like bubblegum flavor and stuff like that. I remember at one point um, a person I knew posted on her social media, I'm going to start vaping, what do you think? So she was asking what people thought, and I remember my first response was, why in this day and age when we know that putting things into our lungs is harmful for us, why would you pick up smoking? Why would you pick up vaping? Why would you start doing anything and risk getting addicted to something that's so harmful for you? And so I was like, well, that's an interesting question to put out there for people to answer. And I was at a loss as to why somebody would consciously say, I'm going to 
walk down this road and possibly get addicted to something really bad for me. So it's what happens with every addiction, though. Oh, it sneaks up on you very, very slowly. So what this show is going to be about is what are some of those easy escaping kind of addictions that are socially acceptable and what do they do to us? But more importantly, where I want to take you with this is why do we do those? What do they do for us? And how do we change that if we want to change them? Because how many times have you heard people say, I need to get off social media. Oh, my gosh, it is such a time sink. Oh, you know what? I have, I have spent 200 bucks getting gourmet coffee this month. Um, you know, I... I started vaping thinking it was just a little fun thing I do sometimes, and now I have to do it. And I, gosh, and it's expensive. Um, how many people are addicted to their fancy red wine that they have to have after dinner or before when they get home from work? I want you to look at what are our easy light addictions and what are their purpose, and what do they do for us. We're going to go to break. Join me when we come back, and we're going to go deeper into these escape addictions. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we're talking about addictions, the light, kind of easy addictions that many people have that help you escape from your daily life and that are socially acceptable. I'm not talking about the addictions that affect your work, make you a rotten parent, you know, you have to go to rehab for, things like that. I'm talking about those kind of things that we all tend to do that give us that little bit of pleasure. So I want to talk about what is that and why, what creates those kind of addictions. And let me list them out here for you. Just I'm going to throw some out. You feel free to throw your own in, in here, in your in your head. I'm talking about things like caffeine, um, alcohol, but not to a level where you're an alcoholic, um, shopping, gambling, but not where gambling's a problem and wrecks your finances, but you're just really wanting to go do that fun gambling thing that you do. Um, social media, staring at your phone, um, games on your phone, different foods that you might be addicted to fast food addictions, things like that that you crave, that you're attached to, and that give you that little burst of pleasure no matter how small. So let's look at what is an addiction kind of formula. What makes us want to do something again? Some of it is brain chemistry. When we do something we like that's pleasurable, and I'm not talking about big Pleasurable. I'm talking about even little pleasurable, um, like the taste of a good cup of coffee. That can be a little pleasurable. Uh, your favorite fast food place. I remember I had a friend that said once, if I don't go and get a taco from that place at least three or four times a week, I start to crave it so bad I can't stand it. And I thought, really? I so it was interesting to me, that the things people crave. And I've kind of stored this in my brain for a while, the, the vat of superfluous knowledge up there. But the addiction formula starts with that little bit of pleasure that gives your brain a boost, which 
kicks out a little bit of dopamine. Dopamine is your brain's pleasure enzyme. Your it's a hormone, whatever, but it is. Dr. Malaki could tell you exactly what it is. But it's, it kicks out dopamine, and your brain goes, ah, oh, I like that. Then there's kind of a different thing. Sometimes when you get an adrenaline rush from something, that can kick out some dopamine. That can make your body say, oh, this was fun. That was pleasurable. I got a, I got a little bit of an energizing high from that. That was cool. So... Things that make it easy to get addicted to, like drive through coffees and fast food, there's one thing that they add to their formula. They want to make it quick and easy. They also want to make it financially accessible, but starting out like that frog in the boiling water. You might go to get a simple coffee at your drive through place, but before you know it, you're doing the two shots of that and the foaming that of the this kind of something additive, and all of a sudden you've got a Trente mega latte something or other huge thing. You know your formula in your head. You have it exactly down. And that's what you're thinking about that you want, which is megabucks. All right? it, t- it costs a lot of money. So quick and easy, moving you up into... An economic platform where it's easy for you to pay, easy for you to order, and it's socially acceptable. When you say, I'm going to go through the coffee place and get my normal, and the barista knows your name, and they know what size you want, and they even spell your name right on the cup, and you're very efficient about how you order, and you even know from one sip whether they've messed it up or not. Did they put accidentally put two shots instead of one? Is, this is too sweet. This is not sweet enough. This is not vanilla. This must be the other one. And you certainly know that they've messed it up because you have an incredible brain memory for what you, your little addiction is. So it's socially acceptable. There is this illusion of self-care. This feels good. This is warm. This is the one way I treat myself. Um, I'm rushing to work in the morning, and it's my way of getting out of the house fast and driving through and grabbing what I want and eating it in the car on the way to work, and I feel a little bit cared for. There's also a sense of affluence. I I can go through here and order my thing, and... I feel good about that because I can afford to do that. Which, you know, really, if you stop and look at how much you spend going through fast food or through coffee and add that up at the end of the year, and I said, hey, if you had $3,000 at the end of the year, would you buy that in gift cards for those couple of places you go? Or would you want to go take a vacation? Or would you want to pay down your car? or get new tires, or all kinds of stuff. Put it in your kid's college fund. When you're looking at the gross amount that you spend, and then you compare that with just the little bit that goes out each time you do it, it's a very different feeling. But in this addictive formula, you're doing this on a regular basis. You're getting that little bit of dopamine boost. And our brains are incredibly trainable. They say, oh, I want that again. That hamburger, those french fries, that taco was so good. And so what do they do to make those things really good? 
often when you look at the formulas for fast food, they are high in fat, high in sugar. They have additives in them or flavorings in them that give you a burst of flavor in your brain. Often they have flavorings and stuff that aren't particularly healthy for you, like possible MSG and things like that. And when you eat those things, there's a boost to your system that makes your body and your brain say, oh, that was satisfying. That was good. I treated myself And that was quick and easy, and it wasn't very expensive. And therein lies the formula for you to come back through and do that again. So you've got to stop and look at how much some of us are being manipulated by the things that grab us and are addictive to us. It was interesting with social media that people weren't particularly addicted to it until the social media platform started researching What is it that made people come back for more? And one of the big things they came up with is the like button. So people started checking, how many likes did I get? Or did everybody see this? Or who liked it? And there was this positive reinforcement that if you posted something, immediately you'd get some feedback. And people get on just to see how people responded to their post. And social media platforms had teams of people, have teams of people, constantly researching what makes you want to go back more, what makes you spend more time on social media, how often can they place an ad that's targeted to you by what you do and what's on your phone and what's on your platform, how often can they put an ad in there without driving you off but getting you to look at it. It is all researched and all geared toward making us addicted to the experience. So what is the experience that we're getting from fast food, from coffee places, from social media, from looking through uh, online, searching things and all of that? One of the things is escape. It's one of the reasons I call these escape addictions. We're looking to not think, not feel, not be working at the moment, Give ourselves some downtime. How often have you thought, well, I'm just going to play a game on my phone or I'm, I'm going to take a little break and look at Facebook. And an hour later, the time sink is gone there and you go, whoa, <laughs> where'd that go? But you were trying to relax for a minute or take a break from the work or not be focused on the intense things of the world like the news or something like that. And you're escaping. When you're doing that escaping and you're relaxing and you have a little bit of a charge, like a little happy feeling or a little, oh, they liked me or I was important for a minute or whatever it is that made you feel good, that little tiny burst of dopamine is highly addictive to our brains. We want to find it again. Okay? So put that out to every type of thing we get addicted to. Some people are addicted to watching Netflix movies or Netflix series and they binge on those because they give them something to do other than sit and talk or look at each other or work on things or do more laundry or whatever it is that you're trying to not have to do. So think in terms of things that go in your body like food or drinks or whatever or even that great bottle of wine that you bought that you can't you're looking forward to drinking after work um, but not to the point where you're 
hungover, that you're an alcoholic, you might go and have one great glass of wine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that we get addicted to our little guilty pleasures. And my point is, we need to figure out why we need those, what it is we're doing. So I tell people all the time, one of the ways we try to keep our stress down is drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, sex, shopping, gambling, food, overeating. Okay? So... Those are kind of the categories that things fall into. Now, the extreme of all of those, of course, is an addiction that is affecting your life and harming your relationship and probably costing you your job and making you not a great parent or you're costing you your education or whatever. I'm not talking about that end of the spectrum. I'm talking about all those same things in that little bit of addictive behavior that begins to get unhealthy for us. And it's a scary thought, huh? Because some of you are probably thinking, okay, Dr. Patty, don't tell me I have to stop my little guilty pleasure. I'm not going to tell anybody they have to do anything. But what I like people to do, and one of the main purposes of therapy in a nutshell, is to take things we already know about and raise our consciousness about them. Like when I talk to you about depression, I know people... Know, often know when they're depressed. They often have read things about them. What I want to do is lower your water line, like on an iceberg, so that more of your consciousness is above the surface and you are more aware of yourself and what you do and why you do it. And this is a real insight into your soul because what you've got to do is you need to say, why do I do this? What is it I do? And what's the underlying cause of this? And therein lies the insight to who you are and how you tick and what you need to do to get happier. Because one of the things I'm asking all of us is when we take that little break to play that game on our phone or to get on Facebook or to drive through the coffee place or to go and get your favorite taco or mm, pick your addiction. There's, there's lots of them. When we give ourselves that permission to do that little thing that gives us that little burst of pleasure. Why? Why do we need that? What is it doing for us? And should we be looking at what the underlying things are that make us want to go for that and give ourselves that little bit of pleasure so that we relax just a tiny bit So we can go forward and go the pace that we go and work as hard as we work and do all the things we do in these crowded years of our lives. This is a really interesting dilemma, everybody, and we all need to take a look at it, every single one of us. All right, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, I'm going to go deeper into this. We're going to lower the waterline and look underneath. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we're talking about those little addictions that everybody has and what role they play in your life. And more importantly, why do we need them? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you that you're bad. I'm not telling me that I'm bad. I'm, I'm telling us that these little addictions that we have are an insight into our soul. They're an insight into our functioning. Um, They lead us to look at what we do and why we do it 
And uh, it begs the question, if we weren't staring at Facebook for two hours or six hours like some people do, uh, what would we be doing instead? What did we used to do before our phones were in our hands all the time? What did we used to do before there was Netflix to binge on a series? What happened when you'd go into a burger joint and you'd sit down and you'd enjoy a burger with friends? You didn't have the option of super cheap, drive through blah, blah, blah. But what did we do? And a lot of us who grew up during this time with all this stuff being available don't have an answer to that. So that's some of the stuff we need to look at. So the little point of happiness, the little blip of happiness you get when you do your little guilty pleasure, whether it's driving through your coffee place or going to get your hamburger or your taco through the fast food or sitting there on your phone staring at YouTube or Facebook or playing your games on your phone or checking your email 40 million times or binging on the news. I mean, pick whatever it is you stare at. Why? What's it doing for you? And it's the thing we need to look at. So think about this. It it sits on you heavy when you start to say, okay, I'm going to start to look at how much time I actually do spend on these electronic addictions, for starters, on these food and coffee addictions, on... The other addictions I might have, like shopping, perusing shopping online, actually going shopping, um, little gambling addictions. How much time do I actually spend on that? And there's this really interesting little thing on your phone that you can go to and you can look at how much time you actually spend each day on each app and which apps you spend the most time on. And you may be shocked to learn that you spend three hours staring at Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or something. And you need to just know. You need to look. And it's really eye-opening. In fact, the first thing almost everybody says is, I was not on Facebook for three hours. You're lying. That's what you're saying to your phone. And I, I got to tell you, these things are electronic little calculators, so they're probably telling the exact truth. But uh, maybe there's a conspiracy theory about that. There might be. But anyway, we've got to look and we've got to take it into account what we do. So these soft, easy escape addictions that we do are, fuel, are fueled by that altering of our brain chemistry, the dopamine the pleasure hormone. They're cued by salt, sugar, fat, caffeine, nicotine, subtle little addictive things that make our body say, I want more of that. So the addiction industry triggers your cravings and fuels the industry that they're trying to support. Let's look at caffeine. It's one of America's most popular drugs. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Caffeine is a very powerful drug. 90% of Americans consume caffeine every day. And that's what a lot of studies show. You can look them up if you want. More than half of those people have 300 milligrams plus per day. 20 to 30% of those people have 600 milligrams or plus a day. That's about four cups of coffee. So 
A lot of people have one or two cups of coffee every day, and then many, many more people have way more than that. And I'm going to tell all you coffee aficionados, a vente and a trente does not count as one cup of coffee. All right? That's a lot of caffeine. And when you really add up how much is in there, you're going to see exactly what your daily addiction is. The other thing I see about people that have these kind of escape addictions is they really don't want to know. They're saying, look, if I get some pleasure out of staring at Facebook for a couple hours after work, I deserve the downtime. Leave me alone. Okay. All right. But what I'm saying is, why do you need that downtime? And it might be okay. I'm not judging whether it's right for you or wrong for you. I want you to look at why do you need that. So that powerful drug of dopamine has a very complex relationship to addiction. And it fuels those things that make us feel good. So let's talk a little bit about what are we looking for to feel good about? What are we escaping from? A lot of people these days have very crowded lives. That's the way I look at it. They've got little kids that they're juggling. Many have elderly parents on top of that. So between kids at home and elderly parents and jobs they have to go to and houses they're running and two people working and many people have a pet that they or more that they need to take care of. So they're juggling the crowdedness of their lives and there's very little downtime. You know, it used to be when you went to pick up your kids at school and you were 10 minutes early, you sat there and daydreamed or you got out of the car and you talked to other parents who were around. Now everybody's sitting in their car staring at their phones. If you went to the airport and sat waiting for your flight for two hours, you often met interesting people all around you because you'd start chatting. Now you look around an airport and everybody is staring at their phones. It is very rare to see someone reading a book or very rare to see somebody sitting there quietly looking out the window. I would say a conservative estimate is 90% of the people are staring at their phones. So, Why do we need that constant entertainment? Why do we need that constant escape from our busy lives? It begs the question, what do we do for downtime? What did we used to do before social media and phones and all of that were around? What did we used to do before these drive-through gourmet coffee places were around? Think about... Uh, It depends on how old you are. Some people weren't even born yet. But think about in the 70s or 80s. You might say to to a friend, do you want to meet for coffee? Now you say, let's meet for a coffee. Listen to the difference in that. One is you picture going to a restaurant, sitting down for coffee with a friend, maybe ordering something to eat or maybe not. But you're going to sit and visit with a friend. And the purpose of your visit is to get together. And so you go for coffee. And what that meant was we're not going for a big meal. We're going to go and have a drink or get some coffee or sit there and visit. Or I'll meet you at the park and let's walk together. When we had social contact, it had to be in person or sitting on the phone with somebody. I remember a long time ago when my kids were really little, my best friend and I used to spend Saturday mornings on the phone together. 
And what we did is we had our headsets. They were kind of new. So we were on the phone. We put our headsets on, and we cleaned our houses while we talked to each other. And we just thought that was a kick. It was fun. We both had to do housework, and we didn't care if we were making noise. And we spent a good two or three hours on the phone Saturday morning totally catching up. And it was fun. (laughs) I like that. And we had a connection that was very deep and very current. So we don't do stuff like that anymore because we're all escaping into a different realm of reality. So escaping from what? The little addictions that we have are an escape from these crowded years of our lives. So how do the crowded years of our lives make us feel? Stop and think about it. How crowded is your life? Do you have space in your day? And that's that's something I set my mind to probably 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I started saying, I need space in my day. Every minute is crammed together, and I don't like that. But carving out space in your day is hard. And it was hard 20 years ago, and that was before social media. So now, how do you get some space in your day? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Because your day is crammed from minute to minute from the time your feet hit the floor. Even if you go work out or you go to yoga or you go do something, it's crammed in there. So what we're looking to escape with all our little escape addictions is that feeling of, ah, which is a little bit of dopamine release, that little bit of time for ourselves, that little bit of self care and treating ourselves to something that we find enjoyable. And and I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. But I think the call to consciousness here is what is it that we are trying to escape from when we do our guilty little pleasure things? Or we do too much of our little escape addictions? Or we start to feel guilty for how much we're doing it because we really want to do it more. And here's the really important thing. If somebody is saying to you, you have to stop that addiction, what scares you? What makes you say, oh, gee, what if I couldn't stare at social media for a couple hours every night? What if I couldn't binge on YouTube videos? What if? It can be a scary thought. So we're going to go to break in a minute. I've got another minute here. Um, I want you to consider reading a book. This book made a profound impact on me. It's called One Minute After. And at the moment, I can't remember the author. I'll look it up at the break. But One Minute After is about this electromagnetic pulse that hits over the city. And everything electronic is just wiped out in an instantaneous flash. And they go have to go back to a way of living that's before refrigerators and before coffee makers and before insulin, before everything. And this book takes you through scenarios that you would never even think of. But that book made a profound impact on me because I started thinking, look how addicted we all are to our ease of life and our way of life that has also become addiction to escape from interacting with other people. So 
We're going to go to break. And when we come back, while we're at break, I want you to be thinking about what is your guilty little addiction. And then we're going to talk about how to begin to analyze those and let go of them and move into a more aware space and give yourself that same pleasure without harming yourself. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to the incredibly beautiful Native American flute music of Randy McGinnis. He just is an amazing flutist, and his music is so soothing and so relaxing. You can find it on YouTube, (laughs) Spotify, Pandora, uh, CD Baby, Amazon, uh, iTunes. He's got his own channels there. Or you can go to randymcginnis.com. And check out his six CDs. They're all different and they're all beautiful. Thank you, Randy, for allowing us to use your Native American flute music on Therapy in a Nutshell. All right. We're talking about those socially acceptable, easy addictions that we all have. And what I'm challenging you to do is really take a moral inventory here and say, what are the things that you're addicted to? And you don't have to tell anybody if you don't want to. But... Look at the things on your phone. Go to your settings on your phone and look at your app section, and it'll tell you if you click on the right buttons, the time spent on each app. And it'll even tell you over the last month on the days. I mean, you can divide it out. It's pretty. Um, the statistics are pretty clear on there. Take a good inventory of where you're spending your time on your phone. Then ask yourself what other things outside your electronics that you're addicted to. How addicted are you to caffeine or to alcohol? And not that level of alcohol where you need to go to read to have you're waking up hungover every day. I'm not, that's in a different level. I'm talking about how much do you need that drink for, it's what I call liquid Xanax, to turn that volume down on the day, to ease your anxiety a little bit. And how many of those drinks do you need until you get that, okay, I'm more relaxed now, feeling. And are you addicted to that feeling? How could we not be addicted to that feeling, you guys? When you've had a busy, crowded day of going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and you come home and you get your liquid relaxation and you power up your game on your phone or you turn on the news that you're addicted to or you go to your YouTube thing or you get into your guilty pleasure, how addicted are we? to those things because what else do we do to turn down the volume of the day so and look at the morning addiction when you're dragging your butt out of bed and saying okay i can go to work i can dig deep i can do this i can get the kids ready for school i can get them there i can go to work and you're trying to allow times to go through starbucks and are you late for work if i mean are you late for work if you went and got coffee does that count or is that just, I'm sorry, I got held up in the coffee line? <laughs> so I hear that from people that say that. Um, and what does that do for you? And the main point that I'm making here is we tend to run our lives now with very little space in our day. Very little of things that give us a gentle, easy pleasure. Like fueling these addictions I truly believe our unhappiness, loneliness, feeling overwhelmed with all that we do all day long, 
feeling like you are not taken care of, that all your energy is going out to care for others, whether it's home and hearth and the kids, um, your relationship, your job, all of the above. (laughs) And there isn't much left of us, whether it's at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. And when there isn't much left, how unhappy are you? So I think I'm asking you to do a very hard thing. Well, I know I'm asking you to do something hard. I'm telling you, I think it's more challenging for people than they realize. For you to hold that dog poop in your hands, and you've heard me talk about this before, if you stop and look at what you're holding in your hands, your unhappiness, your loneliness, your sexual frustration, your need for connection with people, your feeling left out and unimportant and not part of a community or a family, and you're looking for that, and you don't want to feel those feelings. That's what makes us escape into our little addictions. We want to turn down the volume of those things. So when I'm asking you to stop and look at why, not only what your little guilty pleasures are, but why do we need them? And I'm not saying that every single one of them is bad and you should never do those. We get connected to those things for a reason because they give us a little bit of joy sometimes. I'm asking you to take a look at your life and see how much time you spend in escaping or turning down the volume or trying to manage your anxiety or trying to quell your unhappiness and loneliness. And I think a far more productive thing to do for ourselves is to say, why am I unhappy? And that's the dog poop that you're going to hold in your hands. It's new. It's not pleasant. It isn't something you really want to have there. But I'm asking you to stop smearing it all over everybody else. You make me unhappy. You're not meeting my needs. You don't do what I want. Or smearing it all over yourself. I'm bad. I'm not lovable. I don't deserve whatever it is. I'm asking you to hold it and say, what is this feeling that drives me to my little guilty pleasures, my little simple escapes, my things that I'm addicted to? What is it that I'm looking for? And I want to tell you that I've seen more often than not, let's say you have a difficult relationship and you feel put down and not understood, and you don't feel real safe in your relationship, and you really would like to leave, but leaving is hard, especially when you've got kids, or you've got, uh, Rich and I, when Rich was alive, we used to always call it supporting the empire. You have an empire to support, and losing one of those jobs, the empire comes crumbling down if you split the empire. So it's not always easy, but how unhappy are you with your relationship with your partner? And how much does that fuel your guilty little pleasure? I deserve this. Or every time you get in a fight with your partner, you want to go drive through the coffee place or go spend money or say, screw it, I'm not going to do all the housework. I'm going to sit and look at YouTube for four hours. What do you do that is basically flipping off the person you're angry at? And what are the underlying feelings below that anger? Are they... I'm unlovable, nobody wants to be with me, I'm lonely, 
I'm frustrated. What are the emotions that are underlying the anger and the hurt and the frustration? And how do those fuel your need to turn down the volume? By entering into your guilty little pleasure or your little escape thing or your soft addiction, how is it that when you enter into those things and you get a little burst of dopamine in your brain and you say, okay, I feel a little better. What if we changed our lives instead? What if we said, I really want to be happy. I want to have space in my day. I want an intimate and connected and fun connection with my partner, with my family. I want to enjoy my work or at least want to feel like I'm doing my work to support the joy of the rest of my life. Not everybody gets to be blessed with a job that they really, really love. I I feel totally blessed that I absolutely love what I do. But not everybody gets that. Sometimes you go to work to pay the bills. It's that simple. And you make it through your day and you do your best job so that you can spend time with what you love. And is what you really love four hours on Facebook, shopping on Amazon, staring at your phone, sitting around drinking fried beers and looking at the news? What is that really what you love? And that's what I'm asking you to look below. We're all looking for love and connection. And in this day and age, I swear, I see more people in my practice that the underlying issue is loneliness and feeling unloved and fighting with those that are close to them and feeling like their day is too crowded and they never have any, this is the big colloquial term now, me time. What do you do with your me time? First of all, do you ever get any? That's the operative thing there. And then when you do get some, is it a glass of wine and Facebook? What is your me time? Most people have no me time. So I'm asking you in this show to take a look and analyze what, where are the places that you look for that little bit of relief, that little bit of turning down the volume, that I don't want to go do one more load of laundry, do my paperwork at work, return phone calls, get ready for work tomorrow, get an outfit together that I feel okay in, um, plan a meal, put it in the crock pot. I don't want to. (laughs) What are you avoiding with your gotta-dos so you can do a little bit of wanna-dos so you can feel a little bit better? Turn down the volume on your anxiety, your unhappiness, your loneliness. And it starts with looking at what are those guilty pleasures, the little things that give you the little burst of dopamine. So you're looking at those. And then what you're going to do is say, why? What am I feeling that leads me to do that? And what am I hoping to get out of that? And what do I do when I look at my phone and I see that I've spent three hours on Facebook and two hours on a game and an hour on Twitter and looking at email and you're going, oh, whoa, there went more hours in the day than I thought. Just notice, okay? So often I tell people the answer to what we're looking at to fix is first just notice. And then when you've noticed, ask why. 
What am I looking for? Where is the emptiness? What do I need to hold on to and say, what would I do if I did something healthy for me? If I went out and took a walk? If I signed up for a yoga class? If I got back into running? If I met friends for a walk and to go out for coffee, not a coffee, a expensive coffee? (laughs) How what if I met friends for the social interaction of being together and not doing it through social media? So I'm asking you to take a look. We all need to take a look, you guys. This is powerful stuff. Okay, this is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay, and you've been listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, where I want you to go deeper, I want you to look harder, and I want you to be willing to take a look at your life and make the changes that will bring you more peace inside. Because all I want to do is help heal the world one hour at a time. News from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.